0: Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established wickedly smart women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the wickedly smart women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emeril Greenforest, and today I welcome my very special guest, best selling author Kim Eldridge. Kim is your story pathfinder. New Frontier publisher and best-selling book strategist. She works with message-driven authors to finally write their books so that they can share their message with the world. She's the founder and CEO of New Frontier Books, a comprehensive solution that takes authors from idea to written book to marketing an authentic, business-building Amazon bestseller. No 99 cent Kindle ebooks here. She holds a degree in creative writing from the University of Arizona and has written 20 books, including an Amazon number four bestseller out of the top 100 books in any genre. She lives in northern Arizona with her husband Ben and their beautiful son, and they enjoy backpacking, hiking, and camping. She's a true outdoorsy girl and loves having adventures the fuel for her creativity and writing. And Kim is one of the spunkiest wickedly smart women I know and also happens to be one who was a client of mine several years ago. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here on the show, Kim.
2: Thank you so much, Emerald. It is my pleasure to be here. I love the work that you're doing in the world.
1: Oh, well, right back at you, girl. I
2: adore what you're doing in the world
1: and always have from the moment I met you and so... Let us dive in because when I met you, you were really at the very beginning of launching your own business and really stepping into a role of leading in your own life. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about both the calling that was in your heart to serve in the way that you do right now. And also, maybe a little bit for our listeners who are in, maybe in that space where they're on the verge of making a leap, what it was like for you initially to make that leap into leadership?
2: Mm. Making a leap into leadership. I love this question. So I have a degree in creative writing, but I have been working in my dad's tax practice for 11 years when I made the transition out. And when you're working for family, it's a lot like being a tenured professor. They can't really fire you, but it also means you can't really quit. And so I realized I was absolutely not being true to that calling and I had to make a change. And you're right. It was definitely a leap, but there were also some very like intentional things that I had put into place. So it wasn't just. Oh, let me walk away from my $35,000 a year job, which where I come from is, is a good living wage. Let me just walk away from all of that income and strike out onto my own. But what I had realized was I very much had let my dream die. I got comfortable and complacent and I wasn't even honoring my gifts in all of the hours that I wasn't required to be at the office working for dad. Wasn't, I mean, it's not horrible working for family. Like it really wasn't a horrible thing, but I was slowly dying because it was so dissimilar from what I really was meant to do. And I won't say that it's always been easy, but it's always been so worthwhile to step into what I was really meant to do. And the longer that I get to do this, it's been over six years now of full time, the longer that I get to, to have my business and serve my clients and do my thing, the better I get at it. And the more in alignment and integrity I'm able to be. It's huge. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the
1: piece that I want to just bring people to right away is what I heard in that segment was you had to make a change. And so I'd love if you'd be willing to go a little bit deeper into what exactly did that feel like for you? Like, you know, when you went into work, were you like bummed and depressed? Did you feel anxious? Were you getting this calling? Like, Oh my God, I really have to do something different. Or, you know, what was the, kind of more visceral experience for you that pushed you over the edge and, and really got you into momentum to making the change.
2: Mm, I love this, especially because you said visceral. Okay. So it's a tax practice. So from January 15th to April 15th, my required hours were show up at eight o'clock and the office closes at 6 p.m but that doesn't mean I got to leave. It's just, we could lock the door. So I'd be lucky if I was home by, you know, if I was leaving there by six 30. So that's Monday through Friday. And then Saturday was great. I got to show up at nine and then we just didn't leave like noon, two o'clock, four o'clock. And so Sunday was my only day off. And I just had this, when you, when you asked this question, I had this vivid memory of it must've been March. And my dad's business, the front door faces East. And I remember pulling in and getting out of the car and standing in front of his big blue front door with the sun warming my back. It was the first pretty morning of spring, dreading walking in. Like my heart was in the pit of my stomach. I could feel my shoulders hunching forward. I had to walk away from this beautiful spring day to go lock myself in an office with, with all of the things with offices, you know, like no windows and the weird smells that the public brings in perfume and, and horse manure and like stale cigarette smoke and dead body odor and the buzz from the fluorescent lights. And I had to walk away from this beautiful spring morning and go and do this. Again. And it was just this wake up call going, What am I doing here? Why do I have no flexibility and authority? And what's the word I'm looking for? Like sovereignty. Agency. Over, yeah. Agency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agency over my life that would allow me to say, You know what? It's a pretty morning. I'm going to go get a coffee and enjoy this pretty morning. And it was just this moment that I was like, I can't do this anymore. This was not what my life was supposed to be looking like. And I got tired of trading the fact that I worked a million hours during tax season for not tax season. I worked a little bit more than part time, but I was on salary and dad was like, go do your own thing. Make sure you get my stuff done. But when it's not tax season, like you have all this flexibility and I never even used it. Mm. instead it was like these handcuffs and it was impacting my relationship with dad.
1: Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. Well, and it's such a familiar story. I will share with you that I had a similar story when I was in the real estate business. And even though the person wasn't my dad, he played like a father figure role in my life. He was more of a dad to me. Than my own dad was in a lot of ways, and I felt the exact same thing when it was time for me to go. I literally knew at the core of my being that if I did not leave, I was going to die. Like it was, I felt literally like I was dying this slow, horrible, meaningless, lifeless existence in in this relationship, and so. I really can relate, and I love that the door faced east because east is, in the medicine traditions, it's the place of the dawn, you know, it's the place of the new beginnings, it's the place where dreams are coming from, it's the sun, it's this beautiful, you know, rising, and so uh, metaphorically there, that was really good too, Kim, so good job, good job, and I, I really love how you have presenced for our listeners for some of them, they might be in that spot where, the, you know, they're smelling nasty dead body odor and bad perfume and under the buzz of fluorescent lights and asking themselves, what the heck am I doing in this? It's like, this is not my life. This is not supposed to be my life, Right. So what what I love about you, too, is you are creative. You know, your work in the world now is through the writing, through creativity, through helping other creative people to get their work out into the world. So my next question for you is as you leapt out or walked out. So in my case, I just walked in one day and I was like, I'm done. I didn't have a side plan. I just was like, I'm going to die if I don't walk out this door today. Right, and I gave myself a three month window to transition out because we had a partnership, but I had no idea what I was doing next. You, I believe, built a, a little bit of a bridge for yourself before you left, and so I want people to know that there's more than one way to go when you know that it's time. So, can you talk a little bit about the stepping stones that you put into place and how you? made that transition out of full-time work for your dad and into full-time ownership of your own business? Sure.
2: Absolutely. So I did start my business as a side hustle before I left, before I left the employment, but I treated it like a business. So I invested in mentorship and then I did the thing, just don't buy the class, like do the work, practice it, I, and so I put those steps into place and I also treated it like a business, even working full time or well more than full time during tax season. I had three evenings a week where I went back to work for several hours as I was making that transition. And then because of the nature of my position with dad, like I was his go-to girl. I did taxes. I ran the front office. I did the e-filing. I dealt with his three major accounts. I gave him a whole year's notice. Hmm. So at the end of one tax season, I said, okay, I'm done. You need to find my replacement and we have a year to train her. And that was very honoring dad. And it gave me an opportunity to build up my business. And like most people, even though I was working at it, I did not step into any type of, oh, I've got these clients and this guaranteed income and whatever. But I really believed that, a way would be made. And it didn't look like what I expected. My last January in working with my dad, I woke up one Saturday morning and my office flooded. The hot water heater in the garage had, you know, and we're in the desert. So everything goes below the slab, not through the attic. And there was a crack in the pipe and it had flooded my office.
1: Your office at your dad's or your office? No, my office at my, office is- at my,
2: house, uh, at my okay. house. yeah. So, you know, I rang up the troops, my folks, my, my then boyfriend, now husband, like friends, had to deal with this. And then I called my homeowner's insurance and filed a claim. And the next weekend, I was robbed while I was out hiking and they stole my designer prescription sunglasses and my high dollar camera and some of our outdoor equipment. So I called my insurance again. And between the payouts for those two things, you know, when you get an insurance payout they just give you the money, you're supposed to use it to replace your stuff and do your thing, but they give you the money. And so between those two things, I, was able to replace the things that had been lost, but suddenly I had a nest egg. So I left April 15th and in May I made $0, nothing. And I lived off that savings, but I used that time to figure out what it meant to not have to work my business from 6 PM to 9 PM, three days a week. And it was all from this faith that it was, I had burned the bridge. He had replaced me. I couldn't stay in my position. I had to leave and I was not going to go get, and get another job. And so it was that first summer was really difficult. And that was where we started our work together. I'm not good with years. So whenever that was, yeah. <laughs> but it's always gotten better since then. And that isn't to say that some months aren't hard either financially or professionally or, <laughs> or you have a newborn and oh my God. But I just come back to like, these are my touchstones. You have your plan, you work your plan. If the plan's not working, you adjust the plan and always, always, always have faith.
1: Mm, beautiful, beautiful. We're going to go to break on having faith. I think that's a beautiful and perfect spot for us to take a moment here and, uh, Right now, I want to just say, Wickedly Smart Women, we need your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners. We are already an Apple Top 100 podcast in the entrepreneurship category in the U.S. and number 25 in Switzerland and downloading in 13 countries already. So thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading and giving us great ratings and reviews. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in... Australia. And we will be right back
0: with Kim Eldridge. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world. Creative age consulting group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application.
1: And we are back with Kim Eldridge. She is the best-selling author and CEO and founder of New Frontier Books. And we have something for everyone who's listening. If you are interested in finding out more about working with Kim and potentially getting your book out of your head or out of your computer or out of the bottom drawer of your desk and into the hands of people who can really use your message, she is the go-to gal for that. And one of the things that people run into when it's time to write their book is all of these mental monsters that keep them from putting it out there. So she has this beautiful gift for us at fivementalmonsters.com. If you want to talk a little bit about that, Kim, that would be great. And then we will spiral back around to faith and some of the few things that you talked about, about investing in yourself and doing the work and treating your business like it's a business.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Emerald. So yes, the five mental monsters that keep you from writing your book. I have some great news for you. Out of all of the negative mental crap that goes rolling through your head about why you can't write your book, that breaks down into five, count them, one, two, three, four, five categories, period. That's it. So when you get this free guide, fivementalmonsters.com, I will give you what those monsters are and how to deal with them.
1: Beautiful. I love that. So everybody, we will have that in the show notes, but it is five, the number five, not the word five, but number five, mentalmonsters.com. And you can go ahead and download that and uh, discover what might be in the way of you getting your book birthed out into the world or brewed out into the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kim also does a Brew Your Book Telesummit, I think. That is a really powerful event where she brings people together to help aspiring authors to get their books done. So Kim, let's talk about this whole idea of treating the business like it's a business. And if you would, let's talk about Both the creation process of the business itself and how the creation of a book can be a massive credibility builder and boost for the business. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe give us an example of one of the clients that you might have worked with to help them build their business using their book?
2: Absolutely. You know, and I don't work with people who have a should book. Well, I'm at this place with my business, so I guess I should write a book. Dude, do something else. We want to write a book because you have a message that you want to get out into the world, and you know that the book is the right vehicle. Now, once you have that message-driven book that you're proud of, it absolutely opens doors for your business because you're right. Emerald, you're absolutely right. It does give you perceived credibility. It does give you perceived expertise. Now, notice I said perceived because you're already credible. You're already an expert. Having that book allows other people to see it as well. And if they need to, quote, unquote, justify it in their head, well, uh, yes, I I did hire an expert. She has a book. Mm -hmm. Some of my clients that I've, I've worked with to create business building books are Dr. Venus Opal Reese. We just did one this fall for Maribel Jimenez, and I have some amazing books coming up in December, but probably January, February for Holly Doherty, Julie Zolfo, Rochelle Seltzer. And these books that are coming up are, they're just going to be life changing. Because these women are sharing the message. They're not should books. They're these beautiful message-driven books that are going to go out and set the world on fire.
1: Yeah, baby. Well, I want to just briefly talk about Maribel because that's a great example of how to use the book to leverage building your business. I happen to be a contributing author in that book. And That was an anthology. So some of these books are anthologies and some of these books are straight up. The author is writing the whole book just uh, so people are aware that there is more than one way to get a book out on the shelf that has your name on it. And Maribel has utilized the book to actually begin to fill a live event that she's having. So uh, with many of the authors already coming to the event. So this is a great strategy to collaborate with people. It's a great strategy to fill your events. It's a great strategy to build credibility. And who better to do that kind of a book with than the massively wonderful, intelligent, creative, and wickedly smart Kim Eldridge, who also happens to have been a client of mine. So Kim, if you are open, I would love to have you talk a little bit about that experience about, you know, we've talked about you coaching and some of the people that you coach and mentor. I'd love to have you, if you're open for it, talk a little bit about your experience of receiving coaching, whether it was from me or from somebody else. And if you could share with our listeners the value. Now, one of the things about your story that I think is really powerful is you invested right away in mentorship. And in my story, I just was like, get me the hell out of here. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I literally went from 2003 2009, throwing spaghetti against the wall, using all of my credit cards, draining all of my home equity, trying to figure out how to do business before I even knew there was such a thing as coaching and mentorship. So if we can help people to shorten that learning curve, that there is such a thing as coaching and mentorship. And then if you could talk a little bit about the value that you've received either from working with me or some of the other mentors that I know you've been, you've worked with many. So yeah.
2: You don't have to suffer. (laughs) Suffering is optional and you can opt out of suffering and you don't have to do it all yourself. There's all of these examples from the quote unquote real world of the places where you get help and you don't even think twice about it. Could you cut your own hair? Yes. Most of us shouldn't or change your oil or, you know, service your engine or deal with your house plumbing. But most of us are like, oh, I I don't know anything about this. I'm just going to hire an expert. I don't understand why when we go into business, suddenly it's, I have to figure everything out myself. I have to have a story of struggle. No, you don't. And so it's not just go out and throw money at the first mentor who shows you a sales page. You need to vet your mentors. Do you like what they're teaching? Do you like who they are as a person? Are they teaching something that you can see how you would implement? Will you implement it? and then invest at the highest level that you can. So yes, you can get a lot of value from 97, 197, 297 courses, but I can guarantee that nobody puts their best stuff in their $300 product. Don't be afraid also to go to somebody and say, I'd like to work with you privately. And groups are great, Private coaching is really great too. It's not just investing in mentorship, it's doing what your mentor says. And once I started not just throwing spaghetti at the wall, like you said, and then like buying these strange classes, but once I started investing and then doing the thing, everything opened up. So, one of the first mentors that I invested with was a thousand dollar class with Lisa Sasevich. And then I did the thing. And looking back, it didn't seem like a very quote unquote successful launch because I got a whole 3 clients. But because I had done the thing, I got 3 clients. I invested with a guy on like how to get rich quick with Kindle because I needed to know how to get started with the publishing. And I did the thing and got my first books out. And you can't get rich with with Kindle quick or slow, but I did the thing. And when I came and invested with you, I knew exactly what I was looking for. My energy around money was still that of an employee. Even though I had had businesses in the past, I didn't know how to make that transition. And you as a mentor said that you could help me. I looked at your successes. I liked you as a person and made a very big investment leap. And I mean, we've worked together like several times. It wasn't just like this one-off thing. But then when you told me like, and it's the energy of money. So it wasn't like, you know, send three emails to your list. It was like, go and do these energetic things. And I went, well, I've invested heavily. I said, I was going to do the thing. I better go and do this thing. And that's how life changes with mentorship. But the bottom line is, if you take one thing away from this, you don't have to suffer. Mm -hmm. Get help. Beautiful. I love it. That is beautiful. And thank you so
1: much for being clear about sometimes the things the mentor tells you to do are very practical step-by-step things. And I think a lot of people get confused when they end up working with somebody who can do both practical as well as the more spiritual, psycho-spiritual, mindset, energetic, whatever you words you want to put around it, frankly, I believe that 90% is the below-the-surface stuff that needs to be worked on, and it's really the tactics or the 10% of the iceberg that's above the surface that everyone sees. So, And it is important, if you have invested, to do what the mentor says to do. And ha- had I listened myself a decade ago to one of my mentors, Lisa Sasevich, where she said, pick one horse and ride it, I might've had a different experience in my own business. And so, yeah, listen to what your mentor says. There's a reason why they're successful and there's a reason why you're investing with them. Well, we are already at the end. It's amazing how quickly this goes. Kim, thank you so much for being here. So grateful. Please remember everyone to go to fivementalmonsters.com. If Kim is resonating with you to be the mentor, that supports you to birth your book, to get your book out of the drawer or the computer or your head and into the world so that you can have a successful business and share your mission and your message in a powerful and successful way. I highly recommend her. And I want to let you know that we do love feedback. So please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line at 540. 540- 402 0043 extension 4343. Or sending questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you
0: are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.